Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. And so like Courtney said, welcome to Citizens, where we are just very authentic. You know, there's a lot in, in our day and age, there's a lot of airbrushing going on. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of social media management about your persona and about your brand and about who you are. But here at Citizens, like what you see is what you get. Honestly, what you see is what you get. We're messed up. Nice to meet you, okay? But by God's grace, Jesus is not going to leave us like this and we're going to grow into maturity. And so, man, it is good to be alive. It is good to be here. Um, What do you guys want to do tonight? What do you want to do tonight? Dude, can you imagine, like, (laughs) dude, like, imagine, this is like actually my worst nightmare. I I actually have this dream a lot where I'm sitting in the seat and it's like, all right, now it's time for the preaching. And so I open up my Bible and I'm like, all right, here we go. And they go, and coming to preach is Sam Cassis. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, no. And I get up because they're calling me, but I didn't know I was preaching. And I just start walking to the front. I'm like, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God, you know, just, all right, we're going to preach out of Leviticus. All right. I don't know. (laughs) I just start crying. So that would actually be my worst nightmare if I stood up in front of a group and I said, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. So um, I know what I want to do, though. I want to I give you, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you his Bible. Forgive me. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to deliver a message tonight entitled Hijacked. Everybody say, Hijacked. Nice. Okay. What are some things that you can hijack? A bus. <laughs> Oh, I love middle schoolers. Hijack the bus! The bus. That's like his dream. Every morning he wakes up and he's like, today I'm going to overtake the bus driver. Like, what? You villain, you. Uh, Maybe this is a dangerous game. What else can you hijack? A car. You can hijack a car, you villain. What else? You can hijack your life. Closer to the truth than you realize. Okay. What else? What else can you hijack? Hijack a train. I love this. This is fascinating. All of you criminals are in my room right now. You could hijack a person's mic, and I'm going to step over here at that comment. And so here are some things that you can hijack in real life, not in middle school life. Number one, an airplane. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that none of you were born during September 11th, 2001. Like how many of you were born... 9-11-2001, not leaders or 18-year-olds. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so here's what you need to do. If you're ever on a plane that is about to be hijacked, you simply have to call Liam Neeson, okay? It's very, very simple. He will take care of it. He has a very particular set of skills. So you can hijack an airplane. Only adults laugh at my jokes. That's my time to retire, right? You can hijack a boat, How many of you guys have seen Captain Phillips? Dude, respect, right? Here's what I realized. Here's what I realized. When I was actually putting this this presentation together, I realized that if I ever saw Tom Hanks in my vehicle, I'm jumping. Like, think about it. Any movie that involves Tom Hanks in a vehicle doesn't end good. Dude gets stuck in an airport, right? Dude crashes a plane. 
Dude gets hijacked by Somalian pirates on a ship. I'm out. Tom Hanks is in. I'm out. All right. Apollo. Dude gets high. Dude gets stuck in a spaceship. Right. Bad luck. This dude is not good. So um, he has a complex. He has a complex. So you can hijack a ship. You can hijack somebody's mind. Are any of us even here right now? Like, is this even real life? Is this a dream inside of a dream? Yo, everybody, you ready? Everybody wake up on three. Ready? One, two. <laughs> I won't do it. And it's like, I don't want to wake up. It's like the Matrix meets Inception. This is wild. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. You can hijack a computer. All right. Sh- sh- listen to this. Listen to this. You all know, and you guys probably know what I'm about to say, but I'm old. So you guys have already known that you can hijack a computer. I knew that. That's been around for a long time. Okay. Hackers, great movie. You can hijack a computer. Here's what I didn't know, and I did some research here. And you guys give me a nod if you knew this, or give me a, if you didn't, okay. You know that you can hijack somebody's SIM card and take over their phone? What? Bro, I don't like that look on your face. I don't like that. He's like, yep. <laughs> like, dude, with somebody's phone number, you can hijack their SIM card. You're like a phone pirate. Who knew that? Who knew that? Wow, villain, all of you going to jail. I'll visit you. All right, keep going. This is the worst. This is absolutely the worst. You can hijack my ship. You can hijack my plane. You can hijack my mind, my phone. Hijack whatever you want, but don't hijack my plans. Woo, right? You're like, I'm going out to be with my friends, mom. She's like, you thought you were going out to be with your friends. (laughs) You thought you was going to that movie but you didn't finish your chores. And you're like, mom, just let me live my life. And she's like, son, just do your chores, right? Do you guys, be honest, how many of you have a weekly set of chores that your responsibilities? I wanna see it, nice and proud. All right, hand high, hand high, hand high. If you're not raising your hand, shame on you. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, kind of. I'm just kidding. All right, all right. Now, real quick, real quick, I'm just, I wanna gauge the room. Just want to get to know you guys. This is a relationship. This is a dynamic interchange here. And so out of all these things that I just said, which one of those is absolutely the worst? I'm just curious. Hijacking your SIM card would be pretty worse. Yeah, that's, that's your airplane. least favorite. The airplane would be kind of wild. Your plans. I hear you, sister. Hijack. Which one is the worst? Your mind. Anna's still crying over here in the corner. She's like, is this real life? You'll never know. Anyone else? What's the worst? Yeah, hijack your kids. Uh, that wasn't on the list. Uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. What, uh, anyone else? <laughs> Yo, this is so, see what happens when I let you guys talk? This is so bad. Everybody be quiet. Um, all right, all right, all right. We're talking about hijack tonight, but there's something that's actually worse than any of the pictures that I just showed you. There is something out there that is actually worse. As a matter of fact, if this thing were to be hijacked, I would label it as nothing less than tragic. Because the thing that I'm about to talk to you about is infinitely worth more than any of those pictures. As a matter of fact, this thing is so important. This thing is so vital that I'm about to spend an entire night. We're about to spend an entire gathering warning you to not let this thing be hijacked. 
And so for the next few moments, I want you to open up your Bibles, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2. And as we look to this passage, we're going to learn, my clicker just stopped working there, Caleb. Oh, there we go. I'm back on. I'm back on. As we look at Colossians chapter chapter 2, we're going to hear this warning. Eyes up here. Be careful. Be careful, young student. Be careful, Christian. Be careful, leader. That your faith is not hijacked. Be careful that your faith is not hijacked. And we see this, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Let's look at it together. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, And established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Time out. Pause right there. Let's look right there. Do you hear Paul's desire that comes in these words? Uh, yeah, listen, listen, listen. I need you guys. Eyes up here. Uh, welcome to Citizens. We're not going to be like messing around and pointing across the room and dancing. That's like the, the baby's room on Sunday. This is a very mature community of students, and we're going to hang out and learn some big boy stuff. Is that cool? And big girl stuff. Yes, and big girl stuff, Becca. Okay. So here's what we're doing here. I want you to hear Paul's desire because his desire for you is also my desire for you. It is desire of this pastor for this congregation. His desire is that Christians would walk in Christ. His desire is that you would walk in him. Quick show of hands here. How many of you would say you're a Christian? I'm just curious. Not everybody here is a Christian. Understand that. that You're a welcome place to be here and explore. So you're a Christian. Cool. Hands down. That means that you have received Jesus Christ. That means that you have confessed your sins, you have repented, you've turned to him. It's called conversion. But there's more to the Christian life than conversion. There's more to the Christian life than just the starting line. There's more to happen after this conversion. And what's to happen is this, you must walk. You must walk. In the same way that you received Jesus by faith, you are now to walk in faith. There is now a journey that is to be carried out in your life. If you're a Christian, welcome to the family. Now walk. Walk. My son, he's, uh, he just turned one years old. And look at this kid. He's standing. I love how you all say, aw. That's just so sweet, right? So look, he's standing. And so here's what we do in my house. When he starts standing, I go, welcome to the standing club. Let's call it a day. Nothing more is required of you. Nothing more to do here. You stood. Welcome to the standing club. You are now a stander. You've converted to standingism. And so you're good. You're done. Call it a day. I don't do that, do I? Because what's next? Just walking, right? You guys all just said, aww. But if this was like 10 years later and he was still stumbling like that and barely standing, how many know we'd have a problem, right? That goes from cute to discerning or concerning, right? Very quickly. 
And so my son, I'm glad that he's standing. I'm glad that he's in the standing club, but now he needs to walk. And so do you. You need to walk, students. You need to walk in Jesus. And so how should you walk? How should you walk out Christianity? What can this walking, what can this living look like? And to help you understand that, I'm going to give you four quick pictures. And we're going to fly through these, okay, because we have a lot to do. But I'm going to give you four quick pictures to help you understand how your walk should look like. And these four pictures are these four words. Look what he says. He says, rooted, oh, rooted, built up, established, thanksgiving, Okay. So he says, I want you to walk in him. How should I walk, Paul? Like this. Let me show you. Number one, rooted. Okay? Isn't that a cool tree? Uh, not. Where's the foundation? Where are the roots, right? And so he says, I want you to have a firm foundation. I want you to be fixed in the ground. I don't want you to be like this tree because it's missing a foundation. Students, the reason why we come here every week and open up our Bibles and review the gospel and we go to small group and we talk about the gospel and we come on Sunday and we talk about the gospel is because we don't want you to be like this tree. We want you to have a foundation. Everybody say rooted. So I want you to walk in Jesus rooted, but then I also want you to be built up. I want to tell you guys a story here. This is a crazy story. Uh, when I was 12, uh, 13 years old, we moved to Pennsylvania. That's kind of cool, except when I tell you where I lived before that, in New York City. New York City, pardon me. Are you Aaron Burr, sir? That Sorry. I have Hamilton threats. Like literally anything you say triggers a Hamilton reaction there. So I grew up in New York City, right? Every kid wants to live in the city, the city that never sleeps. And then I come home and my parents say, we're moving next week to Pennsylvania, Hickville, USA. And I died. I used to walk past the bagel shops and the corn muffin carts on the way to school. Now I couldn't even walk to school because it was seven miles away past the cornfields. I literally cried. I, I said, you know what? If my mom's going to ruin my life, I'm going to ruin hers. And I cried every day on the way to school for a solid two weeks so she would feel so guilty. <laughs> Dude, I'm not joking. My mom literally told me years later, she goes, man, those first couple of weeks, I like really contemplated, did I make a mistake? And so we were driving, we were driving to school and one day, my, our fortunes changed. One day on the way to school, we saw this sign the future site of the Pleasant Valley Mall. And I said, behold, we are saved, for we shall not be Hickville, USA anymore. We shall have a mall. <laughs> Homeboy had to drive 45 minutes to the nearest mall. That's not civilization. But now we're going to have a mall. And so I was so hyped because there was a sign, and it said, here in this huge field will be the future site of the Pleasant Valley Mall. The next year, the sign was still there. All right. The next year, the sign was still there. The next year, the sign was still there. Listen to me. I lived in Pennsylvania for six and a half years before I graduated high school. That sign is still there to this day. I'm like, I didn't know we were talking about like Eternity Mall, like the Heavenly Kingdom Mall. 
So after a while, we would start to drive by, and instead of being excited about the prospect of a mall, we start to become cynical, and we go, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. I have no reason to believe that there is something being constructed. I have no reason to believe that something is being built up and making progress. Is that what your Christian life is like? Hey, we're not going to make comments like that, Alex. We don't do that here, okay? Thanks, buddy. Is that what your Christian life is like? Or are you being built up? Is there progress and momentum happening in your life? Or are you a Christian whose billboard says, maturity, coming soon. And we all go, I'll believe it when I see it. How many of you have been a Christian for five years or less? So we're in 2019. So how many of you became a Christian 2014 or more recent? Okay. Okay. Ish. She's like, I don't know. I'm not even a Christian. I'm just kidding, Josh. I don't know. Anyone else? Five years or less? Cool, cool. So, here, so here's what I want to tell you. How many of you 10 years or less? 10 years or less? Okay. Yeah, cool. Solid, Abby. That's great. So here's the thing. You can be a five-year-old Christian. You can be a seven-year-old Christian. Or you can be a one-year-old Christian seven years in a row. You can be a five-year-old Christian. Or you can be at the maturity of my son who's barely standing because he's one. And you could be like that for five, six, seven years. Are you being built up? Is there a sense of momentum and progress moving forward? That's how you walk in him. Number one, you're rooted. Say rooted. rooted. You're built up. built up. Number three, established. <laughs> Are you fixed on the ground? Are you steadfast? Are you secure? Are you not being whipped back and forth from your foundation? Or are you like this tent in the wind with no anchors? So rooted, built up, he wants you to be established, and just as you were taught, I want you to abound in thanksgiving. Everybody say thankful. thankful. Students, as you walk with Jesus, hear me on this, because this is not just something we say once a year on the holidays. You need to be thankful. Paul talks about thanksgiving all the time, and it's kind of become Christian cliche for us, but you need to understand why he highlights this. Because thanksgiving will help inoculate you and help, it's a vaccine against the rot of entitlement. That will destroy your soul, bro. As soon as you start to forget what God has done, as soon as you start to forget that you actually depend on God for everything you have and everything you are, and you start to think, I'm good, that is a rot to your Christian walk. And so count your blessings. Practice thanksgiving. When you hear your friend complaining, be like, whack! No, be thankful. And he's going to go, whack, thank you. And you're going to go, whack, you're welcome. And that's how we become Christians, okay? And you're like, I don't want to be in a small group. Sit down, okay? It's beautiful. And so all of these things, these four pictures, this is my desire for you, that you would be rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. This, students, is my desire. Oh. See what happens when you try to be cool, man? Never works. Never works. We practice this. This is my desire. This is my desire for you. But here's what we need to talk about tonight. And here's where we need to spend the majority of our time. That on the other side of this desire, on the other side of Paul's desire, is a danger. There's a danger here, and we see it as he talks about this. He goes, I want you to walk like this 
But there's a danger that threatens to derail this desire. And look what he says in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it that no one takes you captive. And so here's the danger on the other side of the desire. Your faith can be hijacked. Your walk with Jesus can be hijacked. And instead of you being rooted, established, built up, and abounding in thanksgiving, you're experiencing being taken captive. And so there are some things, students, that we need to talk about tonight. There are some things that threaten to hijack your walk and to take you captive, and every Christian needs to be aware of these because they threaten to take you captive, put you under their control, and change the course. Think of it like this. Imagine you get on this ship. Ooh, right? Are you guys that young that you're not appealed by the idea of a cruise? Are you? You're like, but what about my Fortnite? Like they have Wi-Fi, I guess. I don't know. And so listen, listen, listen. I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine you're getting on this cruise, right? And guess where you're going on this cruise? To the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. Okay, and so you strut onto that cruise and you're like, guess where I'm going? To the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. And you talk to the person behind the cashier, guess where I'm going? To the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. And you're laying out in the sun, I'm going to the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. And while you're out on the open sea, Tom Hanks and his crew shows up. <laughs> you're sitting, you're sitting on, the, on the chair and you look forward, you go, hey, I'm going to the beautiful, oh my gosh, it's Tom Hanks, run! Somalian pirates come on and they jump on board. They do this like, pew, this like EMP thing, knock out your radio, knock out the engine. And they're like, and they're just like, and they just go nuts. And there's pirates. And you're like, but I was going to the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. And they're like, ah, not anymore. You'd be going somewhere else. Because that's how they talk. Tortuga for life. In the same way, students, You, in this life, you are headed to a beautiful destination. God has you on a path toward a beautiful destination. And the destination is not the beautiful beaches of the Bahamas. Say that ten times fast, right? The destination is maturity. The destination is the day that you are presented holy, blameless, and above reproach to the groom, which is Jesus Christ. That's the destination. But warning, just like the ship can be hijacked, you on this journey can be hijacked. And so he says, beware that no one takes you captive. Beware that nothing comes into your life and sets a new destination. Beware. Beware. And so students, you came back from camp a couple weeks ago, right? How was that? You guys want to do it again? Nice. Okay, sure. We'll do it again. How about July 26th to the 29th? Uh, but there won't be snow, so let's call it like a non-winter camp. Summer camp. Dude, that's Scott. I like that. Let's do that. Write that down. We'll do summer camp. Good idea, Hayden. We'll do that, okay? So you come back from camp, and you're really excited about your faith right now, and I'm so happy for you. 
Like I have prayed for you every day since we have gotten back from camp. And I have prayed that your faith and the joy that you're experiencing would not be blown away by the little things and distractions in your life. I've prayed for you and I'm glad that you're excited. But I love you too much. And I want to see you arrive at the destination so badly that I need to pass on this warning to you. Beware of the danger that derails the desire. You know my desire for you. You know how I want you to walk in Christ. But friend, beware of the danger that derails the desire. Warning, there's danger here. And for a couple of moments, I want to show you three things, three ideas, three teachings, three dangers that will threaten to take you captive and hijack your walk with Jesus. And so let's look at those really quickly here. Three teachings, ready? Let's look at verse nine and 10. Oh, yeah, these things, I guess, yeah. These are human traditions. These are man, this is man-made wisdom. These are deceitful philosophies. That actually, we're gonna get here in a few moments. This is crazy. He says, you know what? Not only are these man-made, they're actually according to evil spirits. We'll talk about it. We're about to talk about demons. I hope you're ready. Buckle up, all right? They're, not, they're actually according to like evil spirits, not according to Jesus. So have nothing to do with these. Have nothing to do with these empty, deceitful lies. As soon as you start to look to these things, as soon as you start to listen to what they're whispering to you, they will hijack your walk and unsettle the foundation of your faith. Beware of the danger that derails the desire. And so let's look at what these three dangers are. Are you ready? Everybody say danger. danger. Okay, that means you're, you're with me. It means you want to know the dangers. Here we go. Verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The first danger that he warns us about here is a vague spirituality. A vague spirituality. How many of you have heard the following line, whether it's a movie or from your friend? I don't want to know. I just want to know if you've ever heard this, okay? I'm spiritual, but like not religious. How many of you have heard that before? You're like, that's literally my Instagram bio. (laughs) I'm like super into like the spiritual stuff, but I'm not very religious. This idea right here, this is thriving in today's day. Do you know that? Like spirituality as as an idea is alive and well. It's alive in people's Instagram bios. It's alive in the bookstore. Like there's genres of spirituality. Um, I was actually at Barnes and Nobles. This is years ago and I took a picture from my old phone. I wish I still had it. There was a genre, I wrote it down. There was a genre, supernatural teenage romance. (laughs) I go, I need to see what this shelf is about, right? And so I like, it's like hanging. I'm like, Mystery, nonfiction, science, supernatural, teenage romance. I'm like, that gets its own section. And so I go in there and sure enough, it's like 57 books with vampires and like vampires without their shirt on of just like, ah. I'm like, that's not attractive, dude. You want me to like, you're gonna bite the blood on my neck? What is happening here? 
Because it's supernatural. I challenge you, when you go home, when you go home, think through all the movies that came out in the last five years. Dude, the supernatural is everywhere. It's everywhere. And here's why, students. It's because there's a draw to the supernatural. There's a reason that our society is, is really interested in the spiritual. It's because the spiritual is whispering a promise. Come to me if you want to become closer to the divine. Come and engage in spiritual, supernatural things if you want to become closer. Oh, who did my who was my sign deliverers? It's messed up. It's good. Become closer. All right. And so people are attracted to the spiritual stuff because they want to see the supernatural. They want to experience divine power. In the 80s and 90s, we were living in a very anti-supernatural society. When I was growing up in school, when I was in elementary school and middle school, I was being taught by guys like Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, 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 right? I was being taught by my science teachers that with science being at the zenith of its study, the supernatural would pretty much cease to exist. That people's interest in supernatural things would wane because now we have answers for everything. And so in the 80s and in the 90s, science ruled the day. We were pre-dogma, we were or post-dogma, we were, we were beyond the need for supernatural things. No generation after this one will have even a slight interest in the supernatural because we are our, our own gods. Look at the generation after that generation, a.k.a. look around. The following generation saw a hunger for the supernatural bloom with technology, with science, with all of these answers, there was still a hunger for the supernatural. There was still a hunger for the divine to be close to something bigger than themselves. People are hungry for spirituality. But it's a vague spirituality. You see, people are not interested in the creator God. No, no, no. Anything spiritual will do. I don't really want Yahweh. I don't want the one true God. Any God will do. Any supernatural experience will be okay. I like something spiritual. Not him, not God, just spiritual. You see, that same fascination with spiritual beings existed back in Colossae. So if you were to go to Colossae, you'd actually fit in pretty well there. You'd know how to navigate society, minus the Snapchat part. They didn't have that. Um, it was like stones. They'd be like, I have a note. <laughs> and it broke. Oh, I didn't catch it. Send it again. <laughs> like we should literally just start chucking tablets at each other. Like it's not Snapchat. It's like break chat. You know, it's like break your face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Corny, stop encouraging me. And so you go back to Colossae and you would find, just like today, a fascination and an intrigue in all things supernatural. And so in Colossae, they were super interested in angels, and they were super interested in spirits, and they were super interested in, in the internal beings. And so, because they were so interested in these things, every time a teacher came through town, 
Every time a philosopher came through town wanting to talk about spiritual stuff, they were in danger of being distracted. They were in danger of being removed from the firm foundation of faith in Jesus. Because now, what are they looking to? Spiritual. It was a vague spirituality. And so here's what you need to understand. There are supernatural forces, okay? There are divine deities and beings. We call them demons, right? That's, that's a word that you may hear, demons, evil spirits. The Bible uses the following word. The Bible calls them rulers and authority. That's referring to supernatural spiritual beings. Sometimes the Bible uses words like spirits, false gods with a lowercase g. These are fallen angels who pretend to be God. They oppose him. They seek worship and glory. They're evil. In the book of Ephesians, Paul has this to say. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Why are we wrestling against the king? No. Rulers means like spiritual beings. We wrestle against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. There are spiritual forces of evil, students. That's what I'm telling you here. They're they're fascinated with spiritual beings. And Paul's message is not, those don't exist. Do you realize that? Like they're obsessed with the spiritual realm and yet his answer is not that those things aren't real because they are. Yo, there's a reason why I'm not about those books and those movies and those games and all those things that have to do with the supernatural because that's not entertainment, students. That's evil. That's real stuff. And people who go looking for spiritual stuff, they will find spiritual stuff. And so I'm not about that life. Because those things are real. And so when they're obsessed with spiritual beings, Paul's message is not, those things don't exist. No, his message is, those things are inferior. He says, you want to be closer to the divine? You want to experience supernatural power? You want to experience the spiritual? Then why are you looking there? Because look at Jesus. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. You want to be close to the divine? Forget that. You cannot get closer to the divine than Jesus Christ himself. He is the creator God. And so if you have him, if you are in him, you literally have the one who is the ruler over all those rulers and authorities. He's the one who is supreme over those little spiritual beings who like to prop themselves up as gods. If you have Jesus, you have the one that when his name is spoken, all of those other spiritual demons poop their pants and they shudder and they run into pigs and run off a cliff because they lose their minds. You want to be close to the divine? Are you listening to the, the whisper of, of, spirit, of vague spirituality that you can become close to the divine, then you're looking in the wrong spot. The spirituality, this Christless spirituality is not where you should be looking because you can find that in Jesus perfectly.
And so students, look at me, citizens, beware of the pull of vague spirituality. You're gonna go off to college. You're gonna meet spiritual people. You're gonna meet spiritual professors. You're gonna watch, unfortunately, spiritual documentaries. <laughs> and those things, I'm just warning you now, they may pique your interest. And, they may, and there's something inside of it that goes, huh, I'm kind of drawn to that. Huh, I'm kind of interested in that. And understand why. It's because what it's whispering to you is, I can bring you closer to the divine. And in one sense, the fact that you're drawn to that, it's because you're made in the image of God and you were created for the divine. But what I'm telling you right now, I'm trying to warn you so that when you feel that draw, you can go, uh-uh, danger, danger. I know that that's a false lie and an empty philosophy. If I really want to be close to the divine, I have everything I need in Jesus. And when your friends invite you to a class or invite you to play a game or hand you a book or say, let's go see this movie, you can go, nah, fam, I'm not about that life. The only spirit I'm interested in is the Holy Spirit. Right? I don't know about no friendly ghost. I don't know about no exorcist. I have the Holy Spirit of God. That's enough for me. None of you know the Casper reference. That is devastating. Oh, man. That was, thanks, buddy. Oh, man. So danger number one is what? Vague spirituality. You're like, I can't see it because the sign is on the floor. Blame Eleni. All right, here we go. Here we go. The second one, we see this in verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. The second danger that I want to warn you about, the second danger that we need to be careful of here is human religion and tradition. Human religion and tradition. And so here's what happens. I'm going to show you. What happens, God brings people into his family. He saves them. He organizes them into a community they start to live in certain ways. They start to live together. They start to develop practices, right? They start to develop practices and traditions. And this has often been referred to as religion. That's what religion is. It is the practices. It is the way that God's people live out God's life, okay? But here's the problem. And here's the problem when we start to form our own our religions, God's people can easily put their trust in the practices of their religion rather than the God of their religion. Okay, I'm gonna say that one more time. God's people can easily put their trust in the practices of religion rather than the God of their religion. And so case in point, let's go back to Colossae, okay? One of the practices of God's people was circumcision, okay? God saved his people, he brought them into the community, and so one of the things that they did in response, because God accepted them, they responded with circumcision, right? That was God's plan. But look what happened, are you ready? This is gonna be magic. 
you're going to wonder how I did this, but just stick with me, okay? God accepted them. They did this practice. God accepted them, so they did this practice. But here's what happened. They started to flip the order. And now, instead of doing this because God accepted them, they started doing these things so that God would accept them. Do you see the difference? Do you see how powerfully dangerous this is? They started to look to their practices to qualify them. They started to look to these practices to qualify them to be in God's family. And so here's what happened. When the gospel came to non-Jews, they said, yes, we're going to come into God's family. And these people said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 not so fast. If you want to come into God's family, you have to become qualified by doing the practices first. See what happened? You want to join God's family, then you need to be circumcised in order to be qualified for God's family. And so this is what human religion, this is what human tradition says. It says, I can qualify you to live in God's family. And it whispers to you, come, listen to tradition, listen to the religion so that you can become qualified. So that you can be in God's family. So how do you become qualified? Do the practices. How do you get brought into God's family? Do the practices. You see the danger? When we do this, what are we looking to to qualify us for God's family? Are we looking to God? Are we depending on our practices? That's the dangerous part. But in Jesus, students, we find something superior to the promises of religion. We find something superior to the promises of human traditions. Religion says, look what I did to be qualified. But Jesus says, look what I did to qualify you. Religion wants you to ask, what are you doing? What did you do? Jesus says, no, it's about what I did for you. It's what I did for you. No amount of practices, and let's just keep these in the right order here, okay? Jesus qualifies us to be brought into God's family, and therefore, in response, we live out these practices. No practices, no traditions, nothing that you perform could ever qualify you to be brought into God's family. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. And that's what the Colossians, they needed to hear. Because they said to themselves, well, if I just go and get circumcised, then I'll be good. And he says, no. You don't need to be circumcised because you have everything you need in the circumcision of Christ. Meaning Jesus qualified you. You don't need a medical procedure. Because you've had a supernatural procedure done. Where God made your dead soul alive. And he removed your heart of flesh, or your heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. You don't believe me? Look at my baptism and allow that to be evidence that my old life was buried with him. And when I came out of the water, that was evidence of my new life being raised with Christ. And so we don't look to human religion and traditions to qualify us. Only Jesus can. And so we have our traditions. 
We just came back from camp, right? We have traditions, right? We're Christians. We have practices. We have our customs. But what I want you to realize here, and I want to alert you to the danger, is that if you ever see someone or if you ever hear someone flipping the order in your heart, you go, whoa, 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 no, 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 danger, danger. You sit down in a Bible study, you go away to college, and you're looking for a church, and so you sit down in your church, and they invite, and they're super friendly, they're really nice, and they invite you over for tea and muffins, you know, because that's what they do in college Bible studies, and you're there, and they start talking, and as they talk, you're like, something's not right, bro. Something feels a little bit off here, and you go, oh, I realize what I'm experiencing, human religion and tradition. I'm experiencing a group here who wants to flip the order and you go, I remember what Sam said. Danger, 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 danger. And you run because that will tempt you to look to this to become qualified. When in reality, you need to be looking to this to be qualified. And so danger number two is human religion and traditions. And so I ask you, before we go on, I ask you, do you look, do you trust in the practices of your religion or in the God of your religion? Dude, I know how many of you feel really close to God when you read your Bible. I know how many of you feel like you can't look at God in the eyes if you didn't go to church last Sunday. I know how many of you feel like you have to avoid God if you sinned more than you, want, more than you wanted to. But how many of you, even with your sin? even with your mess, can come before God confidently saying, God, I don't deserve to be in your presence, and yet I can bring you my sin because I'm not what qualifies me. Jesus qualifies me. Are you trusting in the practices of your religion, in the disciplines of Christianity, or are you trusting in Christ, the God of Christianity? And so danger number one is a vague spirituality. Danger number two is human religion and tradition. And then number three, we end here. Look at verse 13. And you who were dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In him. In our society, along with the supernatural, along with teenage psychedelic romance, there's another reality that everybody in our society knows. There's this desire to be made clean. There's this reality that everybody knows and they just accept it. We all know we're messed up. We all know that we're dirty. But the reality is we don't even stand a chance to ever being made clean. And so there's books written, how to accept you just the way you are, mess and all. There are movies that try to make you feel better by going, yeah, you're messed up, but everybody else is, so what's the big deal? And they try to minimize it. But we're all hungry to be made clean. We're all hungry to be made pure. And so what we do naturally, we look to this last idea. And this is universal. This is church people and non-church people. This is Egyptian ancient civilizations. This is ancient Greeks. And this is modern Montanians, right? People from Montana. I mean, we all do this, all right? And this is what we do. 
What we start to do is, when we want to be made clean, we look to good deeds. We look to good deeds. And the thought is that if we do enough good things, it will make up for all of the wrong and we can become clean. How many of you have studied ancient civilization, ancient Near Eastern history, and the idea of the, the scale in Egypt, right? And like the people would be buried with a scale to know that if all of the good deeds outweighed the bad deeds, then hey, you make it, right? And so if you get a 51% good and 49% bad, you just get in by the hair, you know? It's like, what? It sounds good. Like, literally, it sounds noble. It makes sense. But, it, but it's deceptive. It's a lie because no amount of good deeds can clean and erase your record of debt. By, by the record of debt. You know what a record of debt is? We don't use that phrase anymore, but basically today's equivalent of a record of debt would be your rap sheet. Yeah, I got a rap sheet, yo, because I hijack cell phone chips, you know, and trains and buses apparently. You're all, all criminals in here, right? Doing background checks on all of our students before we go to summer camp. Right? You, you, there's this idea that if we want to be made clean, we simply have to do good deeds and we can erase our rap sheet. Your rap sheet is all the bad things that you've ever done in your life. So pause there for a minute if you really want to be scared. What's on your rap sheet, Kome? What's on your rap sheet, Paz a girl? Like, what are the things on your rap sheet, athlete, that no one even knows about, that no one has even seen, the things that you've never told anybody in your life? It's on your rap sheet. And so here's where I want to end tonight. Jesus has done to your rap sheet what no amount of good deeds could have ever done. Look what he did. He canceled it. <laughs> canceled it. Like, sometimes they cancel school. All right, no school, it's canceled. The game is canceled. The event is canceled. You canceled my rap? Yeah, it's canceled. Non-exist- it's not happening. But Jesus, did you see what it did? Yep, canceled. Gone. Done. But what about, nope. He literally canceled it. It says that he forgave you your trespasses. This dude erased your rap sheet. He erased your record of debt. And so while good deeds are sitting here whispering, come to me if you, oh my gosh. Come to me, Alani. Come to me if you want to become clean. If they're whispering that, you tell them, shut up. Because only God can fully satisfy that promise and make me clean. Only in Christ can our rap sheet be erased completely. And so you know what Jesus did with it? Let's end here. Let's end here. Jesus didn't simply go, here's your rap sheet, Jonah. He didn't like simply erase it, like with one of those like red erasers. You guys still have the little red mini erasers in school? You don't, you don't use that anymore? Oh, because I guess he doesn't really use pencils that much. Okay. Maybe in math class? Okay. And you know how like the eraser, it always left those little like red things on there and it was like so annoying. And so what you'd do is you'd do like, or I guess this is just me, I'd sit in the back of class and just erase blank paper just to build up a ton of those and then I'd blow them in my friend's face. <laughs> Am I the only one? Come on. Yeah, all the middle school boys and me. Awesome. <laughs> I was 21 and a half. 
And so he doesn't simply erase your rap sheet. Oh, listen, 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 listen. He doesn't simply take out one of those like, little stamps and he's not like, canceled, here you go. No, he actually takes your rap sheet. And look what this is so boss. Like this is so Jesus Christ. Look what he does. He nails it to the cross. Who was nailed to the cross? Jesus. And with him on the cross, he nailed. He nailed your stinking rap sheet. So that when all of the people in your life, when they want to remind you of what you've done wrong, when, this, when the devil himself wants to whisper in your mind and remind you of how dirty you are and of all the things you've done wrong, when spirits and the rulers and authorities, when they want to point to you and accuse you for why you're not qualified, all you have to do is point to the cross and you go, it's nailed right there. It is paid in full. It is canceled. You don't deserve, you, you don't deserve, you're not qualified, you still have a penalty to pay. Nope, it was paid for. And all of the ammo that the enemy and that other people had to accuse you with, all of that ammo is taken out of their hands. What is it called when you take away ammo from your enemy? What is it called when you steal their gun? Disarmed, you disarm them. God has disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He's disarmed them. They have no more ammo to accuse you. So you don't need to look to the deceptive lies of good deeds. Look to Jesus. Because only in Christ can you become clean. You see, students, as we share our stories, our message is not that we're perfect. Our message is not that we're awesome. Our message is not look how good we are. Our message is Jesus took our rap sheet and nailed it to a cross and now I am forgiven and clean forever. And so band, why don't you come up here and we can, we can sing a final song. My desire is to see you walk with Jesus. But I need to remind you of the warning here, students. You need to listen to me. Tonight, as you go home to your house, Jonah Castrucho, I want you to have this warning in your soul. Beware of the danger that derails the desire. And so as a community, here's where we're ending. As a community, we're going to walk. As a community, we're going to hold each other accountable to live out the desire of Paul and of your pastor that you would be rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. Walk with Christ. But as we do, let us not become so naive that we forget what's on the other side. Let us not walk with Christ with this naivete that we forget and we stop to take care and we stop to guard against the danger that is always with us that we could be hijacked, that there's an enemy of your soul. And so maybe you're hearing the whispers of a vague spirituality, just become closer to the divine. Maybe you're hearing the whispers of human religion and tradition, just do these practices and you can become qualified. Maybe you're listening to the whispers of good deeds, just do these things and you can become clean. And I'm saying recognize those as a danger. And realize that you could only walk when you walk in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. What else can we say, God? Thank you that in Jesus we have everything we need to become closer, to become qualified, and to become clean. 
And so, Lord, we, just, we, we reaffirm our, our commitment to and our love for Jesus. Everything we have, we need is in him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would keep these students safe, keep this community free from the dangers that threaten to hijack them and take them captive, God. I pray for our seniors as they're getting ready to choose colleges. Would you already go before them and find great communities, Lord, for them and churches where they can plug into and live in community free from these dangers. Lord, we pray for our students right now that are gone and away at school. Be with them, Lord, in, in Arizona and California and Oregon and Montana and Pennsylvania. Be with all of them, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord, and may they continue to walk in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' perfect name.